This is ESPN New Hampshire, WGAM Manchester, WGHM Nashua. Get you ready. Boston Bruins, Montreal Canadiens, the third time they meet this season. The Canadiens took the first two. Bruins with a valiant effort, though, in the last one. Up there at the Bell Center. Really thought they should have won that game. And that actually sent them on a good little streak there. Probably their best stretch of the season as they took away some positives from that game. And uh, they hope to take away a lot more from this one at the Bell Center tonight. And on to... Discuss that and some line changers and power play unit changers as our good friend Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sportsnet New England. Hags, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Murph. What's happening? I'm in your uh, your second adopted home city right uh, now. It's, I wish uh, I could be there. Sn- pretty snowy up here. That's what I heard. Hey, did you see the, uh, speaking of that, did you see the uh, video of the, the um, bus in Montreal last week sliding down the hill? I did. You know what? I didn't watch the video, but I like saw it oh on God. Twitter. I didn't check it out, but it looked pretty crazy. It was like Joe. 
it, it was one of these things, too, where you wonder, like, sometimes how dumb people can be. So, like, this bus is sliding down the hill in the ice, totally loses control, rams into a parked car, pushes it across the intersection. You know where they were, too. It was the intersection right on La Gauche Terre uh, in the Bell Center in the Marriott, right where you're staying, I imagine. Yeah, which yeah. is a gigantic hill. I yeah. Mean, I could see how, with the way this city is built and the streets are built, you could see some of these streets being super tre- treacherous when it's but, icy, just because there are giant hills yeah. like, coming down but, from the Mont Royale. But, but here, here's the classic part. So, you know, people see this, and the next guy goes. Instead of saying, <laughs> I'm not going to try that. No, he goes down a hill. Yeah. He slides in. Then, then a uh, pickup truck. Then a cop car. Then another bus. <laughs> Then another cop car, and then a snowplow plows into a cop car, and thankfully the guy wasn't in it. It was just, yeah, it was something out Wait, of a what? movie. Yeah, it was something for sure. Hey, Joe, before we get into Bruins Canadians talk, I do have to ask. I promise the listeners, have you been able to make it to Belle Province for your poutine? Uh, uh, I did not make it today to La Belle Province because um, there is also here at the hotel. Uh, this is one of the best uh, stops in the city for. Uh, room service at the Chateau Champlain. Oh, nice! They do a they do a chicken club sandwich with a nice little spicy aioli that you, you dream about, Marf. It's pretty damn good. Beautiful. Are you are you up top there in our little spot there where we used to write stories? Uh, I'm in my room. Uh, That's even point, better. Heading over to the Bell Center in a few minutes. Nice. Uh, I have not. Uh, I I made it over there for uh, for breakfast. Uh, good. At your local hangout spot. You know, I I don't know if it's because of you or not now. But they now have this rule that if you let somebody uh, that's not a guest hang out there all day, you're going to pay 20 bucks for them. So. Yeah, that would be me. That might be the Merv clause here at the Chateau Chef. <laughs> After place. all those things I stole. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Anyhow, my friend, uh, Claude Julien, uh, as any coach would do, is, uh, is switching things up, trying different combos, different lines. Bruins just continue to struggle to score. That's been their downfall. Uh, your take on the new lines uh, that he's put together. Well, we'll see, right? I mean, they changed them up yesterday. They're going to go into the game tonight. and You know, we'll see how everything pans out the way they look on the ice. Uh, you know, David Poshnak has played with David Krejci before. They have chemistry. They hooked up for that goal uh, in the overtime, uh, you know, a week or two ago that was uh, pretty dynamic. Uh, I think they're going to be fine together. And, and obviously the thinking there is putting Poshnak with Krejci is going to liven Krejci up and, you know, make him a better player, and and you know they hope to get more balance out of their forward lines doing that. And you know, I expect that to be the case. We'll see. I don't uh, the backest uh, switch with with uh, Marchand and Bergeron. I don't know that they've ever played uh, any better with a player like that, kind of a big, slower player that can't. I don't like the it. You can not gonna keep I, up I with don't them. Know, I, I don't know that that really plays to their strengths, or is that the, that's the kind of player that they do best with. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. I mean, I, putting Pasternak on the top power play unit and starting to have things run through him on the top power play uh, should have been done weeks ago. Finally is done now. You know, I, you hate to say it, but I think there does have to be a little bit of a passing of the torch here offensively in that power play from everything running through Patrice Bergeron in the bumper slot uh, to everything running through David Pasternak uh, on the half wall and, you know, get having him generate offense having him take one-timers from the face-off dot, uh, putting him in position to score goals. Yeah. The way it was before, they had one defenseman and four centers, basically, four natural centers on that right. power play with Spooner, Krejci, Bergeron, and, uh, and, and Bacchus. And basically, they're all playmakers and passers. You needed a finisher 
uh, on that power play. And now they have uh, the team's best finisher uh, this season in Pasternak uh, switching out with Spooner. So I, I expect that that's going to do a lot of good things for the power play. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're going to have to see in action what this team does offensively because until some of their players who have done very little offensively this year really start to get going, uh, there's only so much that Pasternak can do as kind of a one-man wrecking crew. Yeah, I'm with you, Joe. I didn't get – and look, you, you know I'm a staunch defender, Claude Julian, right? But uh, one thing I also pride myself in – it's telling it like I see it, and right now, I don't like what I see there and some of the decisions he's making, specifically this line switch right now. Yes, Krejci wasn't too great in the last couple games, but on the other hand, there was a stretch there when he was playing between Bacchus and Schaller, and they were really connecting. And, you know, we know that Krejci thrives off pl- uh, playing between two big wingers. We've seen right. that pattern in the past. Uh, I don't think that was necessarily a thing that you wanted to break up with, and like you pointed out, I don't think Backus can keep up with Marshan and Bergeron, and I feel like maybe he's going to drag them down a bit. And the other thing I didn't get was when the other day when they call up Hainan and they, and they, they move Schaller down the lineup again. Hey, I'm sorry. I think Tim Schaller earned his spot, man. I, I He may not be the prototypical second liner, but if a guy's playing up to it and he, he's working hard enough and he, he's created some plays out there and some space for Krejci, you don't demote him. And, and I, I just think that this reeks of desperation – uh, from Julian and maybe too little too late in terms of snapping a scoring streak or a scoreless yeah, streak. Yeah, and you know, I'm getting I'm getting the sense that uh, it'll be interesting uh in the coming days and coming getting back from this road trip what happens uh with the Bruins if they don't play well against Montreal and mm. Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, coming off uh losing a few games in a row here and and struggling to find offense. I, I got obviously Claude Julian is always tense um, before these Habs matchups. You know that. You know we know that. We've we've seen it countless mm-hmm. times that he gets a little more uh, high strung and a little uh, you know more sort of nervous and antsy uh, when he's talking to the press and just in the days leading up to these games because he gets really um, pumped up for them just as much as the players do. But I I sensed a little something uh, when we talked to him yesterday. I don't know if he's been told something. I don't know if he's just, you know, seeing the writing on the wall that things aren't going well right now. And this, if it turns into a, a five, six game losing streak and a tough stretch could turn into a, a spot where if Cam Neely and Don Sweeney want to make a move, they can make a move. Um, but, you know, just looking at all the things, kind of reading the body language and the way he acted uh, yesterday, I have to wonder if he's feeling some stress like, if something might be coming down the pipe, they don't play well in these next couple of games. And that that's the kind of desperation uh, that he's showing and making some of the moves that he's showing. Because, you know, it, those, those are you don't see Claude Julian make those kind of wholesale changes to lines and power plays unless he's feeling the heat a little bit. Yeah. And, and Joe, uh, you know, amazingly, as you said this, I'm thinking back to the year they went on to win the Stanley Cup, but I'm thinking earlier in that season, right around now, I couldn't remember the date, but now I'm looking at it, December 16th, 2010, at Montreal. I don't know if you remember that game, but the Bruin, the, Blue, uh, the Bruins blew a 3-1 lead in that game. Char was on the ice, coughed it up at the end there, and led to the uh, the winning goal for Montreal. And yeah, it was Pacioretty in overtime when he shoved Charo. Exactly. It? And the next morning, Cam Neely is on a local radio station saying, zero, zero games 
right. don't you know we're not playing to play win zero zero games you know and he took a shot at Julian Style and all this and and then of course uh, I'll never forget that you know I, my editor tells me to pull over and put something up on the blog I was writing for ESPN Boston at the time. And I'm racing down to make a, an afternoon practice, and I get to practice, and uh, Matt Chamorro, the PR guy, calls me in and says, uh, hey, Cam wants you to pull down that story. He doesn't like it. And I'm like, well, what doesn't he like about it? It's what he said. Well, he doesn't like what you implied. I'm like, I didn't imply anything. It just wrote verbatim what he said. But right. it was an interesting time there, and it was a, it was right around the same time of the year. And then the Bruins went on to win uh, six of their next seven after that. So... You know, maybe a dose of Montreal Canadiens, Boston Bruins hockey is what Claude needs to get uh, not only the team, but himself out of a uh, an iffy situation right now. We'll see what happens. And, Joe, you look at the last time we were there. I mentioned it in the intro there. The, the Bruins lost that game, but they definitely kind of turned a corner there, and they played a lot better hockey and fed off their performance up there. But the thing now is I think they're in a different position where they've proven that they're not as inferior to the Canadians as maybe they looked heading into that game. And I, I think that they've proven that they can hang with the big boys in the league since then. So I think it's a different situation for Julian here where it's not like, oh, let's hope we go in there, we give him a good game and whatever, we'll come away happy. It's a, you better go in there and win. This is a big game and you need the two points. Yeah, and they need to stop a losing streak, you know? And yeah. they need to not let it get to, you know, five, six games and, They've got a great Pittsburgh team. They've got to play in a couple of days on the road, and it's, this is a tough stretch for them. And, and then the Ducks, right? It, right, and they, you know, they're they're not playing good hockey. You know that they, they no. are not uh, generating enough offense. They're not finishing off plays. Their players are getting frustrated because they're getting a lot of shots on net and they're not getting goals. They've got guys that uh, continue to not really play up to their potential. Um, there's a lot of things going on with this team that, you know, they're in a decent spot right now, and I think they've done as well or better than people thought they would to this point in the season. Uh, but they've also got some things, some issues, and they've got some things that are going to really be flaws uh, for this team if they don't get addressed. And, you know, they've, they've got to start uh, having some wins against good teams that they can point to and say, you know, this is how good we can be. Well, I mean, yes. I... I didn't feel like the, the loss at the beginning of this losing streak, that loss to Washington, was even really a loss. It, it felt like uh, a good outcome where they scrapped and, and fought to get back in the game and get a point uh, when they were in a hole early. But yeah. we're talking about a team now that three games in a row has uh, dug a hole, 3 nothing, 2 nothing, something in that range in each of these games, and they just can't climb out of. And, you know, they have periods where they outshoot teams 11-2 to and mm-hmm. can't score a goal. Like, there are a lot of things right now that are happening with this team that I think are pretty disheartening to the players and, you know, have, have made it so it's kind of uh, a very frustrated dressing room. And Patrice Bergeron struggling, I think, is at the top of the list. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, they've, they need to start getting some good results and get a better feeling going. Or, or you really feel like this could spiral into something worse. For sure. And, you know, I don't know if you're going to disagree with me and tell me uh, I, I, I smoked some of that stuff that will be legal in Massachusetts in a few days. But uh, <laughs> would you disagree and say that, ironically, you know, in the beginning of the season, we saw the veteran Zdeno Char mentoring, and I don't think carrying would be the word, but, you know, being there as a veteran presence, something to lean back on for one Brandon Carlo. And now... I feel like those roles are reversed. 
I feel like Carlos bailing out Chara a couple times out there. Chara's making some uncharacteristic turnovers. Chara's getting into some trouble in his own end, and it's Carlo that's saving his hide. I mean, am, am I out of my mind saying that? No, I think it's been mutual beneficial for most of the season. You know, I certainly uh, there are things that uh, Carlo uh, has been helped by uh, having Chara there, and I think it's been a, a great big help to him in a lot of ways. Uh, to have a more experienced guy, to have a guy that that can shut things down, to have a player like that, you know, alongside of him, and you just look at the game when he went out against St. Louis and, and the way kind of Carlo panicked in that game, uh, and they ended up St. Louis ended up scoring a couple of goals before he sort of settled down once Chara went out with the injury. But I, I do think, I mean, the reason that Chara has been as good at times that he's been this year has been Carlo and has mm. been. Right. Because Carlo is so good uh, at such a young age, because he uh, plays a mature game, is very composed, uh, is defense-oriented, where they're both focusing on shutting down the other team's players and their work in the D zone and killing penalties. And, you know, Carlo can skate. And yeah, he makes there, I was just going to say, oh, and he can skate. <laughs> That's the big yeah, one right there. And he there. makes good decisions. Yeah. And, you know, he's strong in front of the net, and he, it, that doesn't mean that Chara constantly has to be a guy to slug it out in front of the net with the other players. And, you know, it's, I think it saved him some energy uh, and his legs a little bit to have a player like that. And there's no question, I think, that each of those players has helped the other one out. And it hasn't been all, you know, one-sided where uh, Chara is, is saving Carlo or protecting yeah. him or shielding him or whatever you want to call it. I, I think Carlo has, has made Chara a much more effective player this year than he's been in the past. That being said... I think you are dead on that Chara has looked a little uh, less mobile, has looked a little more limited since he's come back from this injury that uh, knocked him out for a little bit. And, uh, you know, it maybe it'll be a little while until he's back up to what he looked like uh, in the first, you know, six weeks of the season. Yeah, he just seems to be scrambling out there. And as a result, you know, he, one thing that Chara or any player of his caliber, Joe, I think has going for him no matter how old they get, or how slower they get is the way they can think the game and their their hockey instincts, so to speak. I don't see him relying on that. It's just very uncharacteristic thinking mistakes to me coming on the partisan anal char lately, and that's what scares me there. Because once if that starts to go, forget it. I mean, then you're done. Well, I, I think yeah, I agree, and I think when you see him make mistakes like that, I think it's a fatigue thing, and maybe it's the compacted schedule catching up to him when you mm-hmm. see that stuff. You know, when, when he's rested, when uh, it's uh, a normal circumstances, I don't think you see him make as many plays like that. Yeah. Uh, but when you start playing stretches of games in a short amount of time, you definitely see games where, you know, he's just blindly throwing the puck up the ice or, you know, he's, he's uh, making decisions, high-risk decisions that you don't really see him make. And all of a sudden it's turning into turnovers at the blue line and rushes the other way and, and stuff like that. And you definitely do – see times where he does that but you know when he was out you also noticed that you know they miss him quite a bit even yeah, they as, do. Uh, as advanced to age as he's going to turn 40 years old there are absolutely things about him that uh that team misses when he's not out there and i think it was very obvious uh even though they did okay in those uh six games he was out that they really missed him and you know from a bigger perspective uh, like part of the reason that uh, I'm sounding a little concerned about this Bruins team right now is uh, because Zidane Ochara sort of doesn't look right since he's come back. He's looked more limited. 
And uh, Patrice Bergeron, I absolutely think it's playing through oh, some yeah. kind of an injury oh, that's yeah. been bothering him all year. And the reason he doesn't have the offensive numbers that he usually has is he just doesn't have burst skating-wise. And right. he's not getting separation from uh, other uh, defenders. And, you know, he, he doesn't seem to have that extra gear that he's had before. Never the fastest guy, obviously, but he could pick up the pace a little bit skating-wise in the past. And I, I don't think you see that this year. And as you see these key players that clearly seem to be playing through injuries that aren't necessarily getting any better, uh, you wonder how long the Bruins can survive with, with this kind of thing going on. And if, you know, this is going to be part of the ultimate downfall of the team is that, you know, they're a little older, they're a little more banged up, and, you know, they're just not, uh, they're going to start getting uh, less production from their aging players that have played a ton of hockey over their careers. And, you know, whether that now is going to start to happen a little bit more with this team. It'll be interesting to watch. And certainly, I mean, if Bergeron doesn't pick it up and doesn't become the offensive player that he usually is, I just don't know where this Bruins team is going to be headed this year, regardless of what happens. Oh, boy. Wow. A lot of negativity I mean, coming from Montreal. Numbers, I'm with you. He's, he's, he's on pace for like he's on pace for like 12 goals and 25 points. I know? know. I know. You're right. You're right. But, Joe... This is what you and me said all along, you know, and they, they hide it and they, they they work around it. But sooner or later, you are who you are. And, and this is what the Bruins are. But you know what, Joe, one thing you can to cheer Char up and, and, and for us 40-somethings too when our, our brain starts to slip a lot, just show that highlight of Patrick Lane last <laughs> night. <laughs> that yeah, poor kid, exactly. huh? Exactly, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. For anyone that didn't see it, Patrick Lane, who is the, the clear front runner right now for Rookie of the Year, uh, took a uh, rebound and just rifled it past his own goalie for the winning goal for the Edmonton Oilers last night. So <laughs> even young teenagers can have mental mistakes, not just us 40-somethings, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What are you going to do? He, he, see him getting consoled on the bench oh, afterwards. The poor that, was, kid. that was a rough one. The poor kid. But he's got you know a bright what, career. It's funny, though, Murph, is like actually Line A just like – Having talked to him a little bit at the combine and, and seen some stuff on him, that is a cocky kid. Oh yeah, so I was just gonna say maybe so having something like that happen to him isn't necessarily yeah, the worst. Shrink him down a bit, just a bit. Hey, right, everybody, listen, yeah. my friend, yeah. you enjoy it up there. I hope you get some uh, some nice hot dogs in the uh, intermission, and uh, we will talk to you soon. All right. All right, as long as they come with the buttered rolls per usual, Mark. Oh yeah, get a couple that's hot the dogs. best. That's the best. All right, tell everyone I say hello up there and enjoy the game, buddy. I will, bud. See you tomorrow. All right. Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sportsnet New England. Not painting exactly the most positive picture for Bruins fans. It's raining in Montreal right now. It's snowing. Raining, it's raining. It's raining. It's, it's negativity. Uh, absolute negativity. Now the Bruins need this win even Dropping more. Dropping clode bombs. On yeah. Right there. Interesting. Interesting. And I, it was so funny. I'm looking at that schedule. 2010-11. Clode bomb. But he turned it around then. They went on to win the Stanley Cup. And uh, we shall see what happens this year. He doesn't exactly have the same team this year. Yeah, not so. exactly the same team. So we'll see what happens. But Bruins Canadians, 735 up the Bell Center. Uh, Nesson will have it. Jack Edwards, Andy Brickley, Sarah Davis, tune into them. And then, uh, of course, the Patriots and Ravens, Monday Night Football on Foxborough. We'll talk about that and all other things NFL with our next guest, Gabriel Morenci. Stay with us here. We'll be back. You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy, right here on ESPN, New Hampshire. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Cowboys offense didn't do much in that 10-7 loss to the Giants last night, and I know where some people want to go with this. 
I saw the tweets. I heard Dallas owner Jerry Jones shoot down questions after the game as well. No, it's not time to pull Dak Prescott for Tony Romo. The rookie quarterback had a bad game in a very tough spot. The Cowboys facing a divisional rival. And the Giants defense played inspired football. A team that beat the Cowboys in week one. And oh, by the way, it was cold. It happens. You have to look at the whole body of work for Prescott. How can you call a quarterback a legitimate MVP candidate one day and say he should be benched the next? The problem with NFL coverage is the constant week-to-week overreaction. Whatever happened last is most important. The real world doesn't work like that. Prescott had a bad game. That doesn't mean the previous 12 games don't count for something or change the fact that right now he gives the Cowboys the best chance to win. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Performance is the key on the field, on the court, and most importantly for you driving on the road. And that's why AutoZone has all the products and supplies you need to enhance, restore, and boost your car's performance and to keep it running at its peak. One of the first places to start is with a good fuel system cleaner. It removes carbon deposits and contaminants that rob performance and fuel economy. Stop into AutoZone, get all the great details on Chevron, Techron, complete fuel system cleaner. Make sure you stop into AutoZone, get in the zone, AutoZone. Sadly, folks, Buffalo Wild Wings cannot remake your fantasy football season. They can't tell you who you should have benched or who you should have started. But Buffalo Wild Wings can make your lunch hour a lunch hour that's worth it. Every weekday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., they've got the B-Dubs Fast Break Lunch Menu with awesome options like wings and shareables for discounted prices. And they have their TVs tuned to the latest analysis, so there may be hope for your fantasy team yet. Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings, Beer, Sports, please drink. Map out an adventure your whole family will always remember. Disney on Ice presents Passport to Adventure. Journey across the African plains with Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa. Fly off to Neverland with Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. Explore the underwater world of Ariel, Flounder, and Sebastian. And trek through Arendelle with Anna, Elsa, and Olaf from Disney's Frozen. The journey begins in your hometown. Playing January 26th through 29th at SNHU Arena in Manchester. Tickets are on sale now. Visit Disney on Ice. It doesn't have to be golf season to enjoy everything the Atkinson Resort and Country Club has to offer. Open to the public seven days a week, Atkinson Resort and Country Club features two restaurants, Merrill's Tavern, a great place to watch sports or to try your hand at virtual indoor golf, and the Stagecoach Grill, serving lunch and dinner daily. The Atkinson Resort and Country Club is also one of New England's highest rated wedding venues and boasts over 15,000 square feet of conference space. The Atkinson Resort and Country Club in Atkinson, New Hampshire. Online at AtkinsonResort.com. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Every Saturday morning from 4 to 6. Here's my thoughts to WBC, who likes to parade around and act like they are the sport of boxing. They like to to promote their belt as the belt to have. And for the most part, a lot of fighters follow that thought process. I think Canelo Alvarez would be in a position to really put some egg on the face of the WBC. On the home for boxing fans, ESPN New Hampshire. Outdoor Almanac, brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal. With firearm season here, it's time to address a couple of misconceptions. First is that if you make it back after a day in the woods of hunting, consider yourself lucky. Truth is, national surveys show more people are injured playing tennis, golf, and bowling than injured while hunting. As a matter of fact, New Hampshire has an enviable record. The second misconception is that during deer season, it's not safe to walk down the road or in the woods behind your house. Not true. Sportsmen and women know what their targets are and what's behind them before they ever raise their firearm or draw the bow. A little common sense from non-hunters will allow them to enjoy the outdoors this time of year, like the hunters do. 
Just don't wear clothing which is colored brown or white. Wear an article of hunter orange and walk and talk like you ordinarily would. And there's no reason why hunters and non-hunters alike can't share the woods. Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Game's Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests. When Dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad We've got it all here on ESPN, on ESPN, New Hampshire. Well, here, babe, look at you in love with someone else. Turned out like all the others, leave me by myself. That's how it works, I guess And you like all the rest Guess I can handle it And that's the way it is I'm in love with rock and roll It satisfies my soul That's how it has to be I won't get mad I got rock and roll To save me from the cold And if that's all there is It ain't so bad, rock and roll Oh yeah, Motorhead means it's time to talk to our good friend from Fantasy Sportsnet and so many other outlets. He's up in Toronto and he had one heck of a weekend from the looks of it on Twitter. Joining us now is Gabriel Morenzi. Gabe, looks like it was a uh, a fun weekend, my friend. I was very busy. I don't know if it was profitable, but yeah, I was a very busy weekend. <laughs> we had our 15th anniversary, uh, our first, uh, first show on the 15th anniversary mini tour. That was a, that was a big success on uh, on Friday night, and uh, great uh, great UFC 206 on uh, on Saturday night. The card was heavily criticized going into the card uh, due to the supposed lack of star power, but it turned out to be an epic card full of uh, full of violence. Um, you know, yeah, I guess I picked a, quite a few winners, Jimmy. Uh, but uh, in typical back uh, loser fashion, somehow I ended up uh, in the red when it was all said and done uh, by having faith in bad football teams. So yeah, yeah, uh, I deserve what I get. So let me ask you, as you like to uh, do that wonderful segment that I enjoy so much, uh, who ruined your Sunday, my friend? Well, pretty much myself with the bad picks. <laughs> Like, at some point, I mean, is it the Cleveland Browns' fault that they lost, or is it my fault that I bet on them? <laughs> like, you know, that, that's what you have to really ask yourself in, in these dark times. Uh, but in all sincerity, I wasn't the only one that liked the Cleveland Browns. The, the point spread went down to four and a half. Yeah, you, a lot of people were on them. Yeah, with hindsight, too, we have an 0-12 football team, yet, you know, they're only four and a half point underdogs. Against the Cincinnati team that I once felt pretty highly about, yeah, you know, I thought it was a decent spot for them. It wasn't. I remember earlier in the year, people were talking about uh, could Alabama beat Ohio, uh, beat the Cleveland Browns, and I thought it was ridiculous. And um, they made actually Cleveland twenty-seven point favorites in a fictitious <laughs> matchup. 
And I said, I would lay the 27, uh, but that's because I'm an idiot. I would take the 27. I'm not sure the Cleveland Browns could beat Kent State University right now. You know, let alone Alabama. I mean, seriously, Alabama, like, you know, or Ohio State. If Ohio State played the Browns, like, the next Sunday, it would probably be a 10-point game. <laughs> it would probably be, you know, RG3's QB rating yesterday in the first half was 0.0. Like, I'm not. I'm not even making that up. Like zero point zero, man. Oh, like, just bad. You know, oh, it was man. it was a train wreck. Um, for one reason or another, I bought into the Buffalo Bills, uh, circling the wagons at home. And don't be fooled by the final score. That wasn't uh, the game. Was never really as close as the as the score indicated. The Bills came up uh, with a few sort of fluky interceptions and hung around a bit, but. You know, Tyrod Taylor's passes get batted down. Every second pass gets batted down. He can't find any open wide receivers. You know, Rex Ryan's done there. There was talk that Rex was going to get fired as as soon as today. You know, Fisher turns out to be the first one. And, you know, and also, it's funny because I haven't bet on Cleveland much this year, Jimmy. Like, it's not like I bet on the Cleveland Browns every week or anything like that. That's why I'm upset with myself. I got cute. Last year, I was really successful. We did well in the Vegas Super Contest because I didn't bet on bad teams. Like, I really didn't. Last year, I really, really stuck to my guns. Like, I only bet on teams who were hot, who were trending, who were streaky. I never bet on bad teams. And I've taken a lot of bad teams uh, this year because of the spots. And, you know, the Browns is one of them. Jacksonville. I haven't bet on Jacksonville in like nine weeks, but for some reason I thought they could cover against Minnesota. And they actually did for about 58 freaking minutes. So like that that's what made it even more painful. I had the over in the Tampa New Orleans game. That didn't go anywhere. And you know, I just screwed it up. Even though I had the Giants, I had the Giants on the money line last night. I, I you know, it was one of the upsets that I called I got correctly, but I also had a big play on the over of the football game. Seven of the last eight times these two teams have played, it's gone over the number. So, of course, last night it's 7 nothing at the half. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the NFL as a whole, I'm not the only one either. Seems to be a lot of people sort of at the end of the rope when it comes to this league. And, and last night, too, you know, like, Eli Manning wins. The Giants win. Like, he has to make Tom Brady sick to his stomach watching this, like, Bozo Doogie Hauser looking kid. <laughs> like, you know, Eli Manning's the only two time Super Bowl champion. He doesn't need to buy razor shaving cream. And, you know, he's the only two time champion who still gets ID'd at the club. You know, like, do you have ID, sir? Because you know, he looks like a 16 year old goofball. Every time he gets touched, he fumbles the ball. You know, Odell Beckham saved his ass, you know, by you know, busting a little play to turn it turn into a big play. You know, it's not like Eli Manning's lighting it up and the Giants are winning. Their defense did play well last night, but Dak Prescott looked like a rookie quarterback for the first time last night. He did. He did. You're absolutely right. But I don't think that's any reason in anyone, and they are amazingly discussing whether they should pull him out of the lineup for the next game. I think that's hilarious. Well, it'll it'll happen. It'll happen. If they, if they lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... Um, then the you know well, then the, the Romo calls will be heard yeah you know, all all across the state of Texas yeah uh, at this point in time that's that's what I've always been waiting for actually is and I've I brought this up a few times you know the Cowboys are real good but they've been playing you know their schedule's been relatively easy they've mm-hmm. played um, from ahead most of the time they've been able to run the ball you know they really haven't had any adversity. 
You know, the Cowboys haven't faced adversity. They really haven't played from behind very much. Like, what games did they have to come from behind in? Uh, there was one earlier in the year. In which da- Go ahead. Sorry. You yeah, there was, one, there was one comeback game uh, you know, earlier in the year against the Redskins. The Redskins kind of blew it. But for the most part, they've been pretty smooth wins. Um, you know, like the Bengals. They ran the ball down the Bengals' throat. They won by 14. They, they, you know, the Packers were struggling. They ran the ball down their throat. Um, you know, the Eagles is the one in which he, he played well and he came back in. But, you know, they beat the Browns. The Steelers is a nice win, but they went wire to wire. You know, there, there hasn't been a lot of adversity where, okay, you know, you need to score a touchdown. And last night, Dak got the ball back three times in the final four minutes. And they, they couldn't even, like, they couldn't get a first down. And, you know, you got, you got Dan Bailey as your kicker. We saw that he put one off the post last night, uh, the upright, the post or whatever, the, uh, the, the, the bar, uh, on a 55-yarder. You know, you could have got him into, let's say, 52, 53, 50. He would have hit it. They couldn't do that even. They get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday night. They lose that football game. They're on TV once again on Monday night mm-hmm. against the Detroit Lions, who, you know, don't suck. So, and could be playing for, like, home field and, you know, head-to-head and all this type of stuff. I've always said, Jimmy, and I got this from Randy Cross, who likes to say, you're the guy till you're not the guy. And Romo was the guy till he wasn't the guy. Then Doc was the guy. But Tony might end up being the guy again. Because, you know, it'll be compounded by the fact that these games are on national television uh, as well. I mean, because the whole country's watching. The country watched Doc struggle last night. All right, they'll get over that. Uh, but he only completed like 42% of his passes last night, Jimmy. So now you get the Buccaneers who are red hot on Sunday. Let's say Doc struggles once again. And then the, the cries for Romo will be loud. And then they lose again to the Detroit Lions. You're telling me that they're not going to go to Tony Romo? Yeah. Like, they will. You know, Dak Prescott's got to win. Like, he's got to step up and win right now. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, But at least, hey, they're not the L.A. Rams, right? Well, at least the Rams rid of themselves uh, of the worst part of the Rams, which is their head coach. (laughs) But as as a betting man, you know, we often talk about uh, which which coach will be fired first. And... um, I didn't think it was going to be Jeff Fisher after he got an extension well, yeah, a week there's ago. Odds up, and you know, you figure going in LA, he he was like the second or second guy on the board, third guy on the board for the most part. But I would be pretty upset actually if I had made this bet on Gus Bradley, and he still hasn't been fired yet. Yeah, because you know that that was my pick before the year started. The, the first coach to get fired it was it was in like in the eight to one range. Like I don't know what Gus Bradley has to do to get fired, like. But I, you know, at this point, like I, you know, we we can say, oh, does he have pictures? Like, is there, is, is you know, is, is Julian Assange hacked into uh, <laughs> hacked into the owner of the Jags and fed information? Or like to Gus Bradley, that's what it is at this point. You know, the Jags are a freaking train wreck. But I guess he'll get canned at the end of the year, or at least I assume he will. Yeah. And then, of course, we got Rex Ryan. You know, there could be a lot of carnage in the next couple of weeks, actually. Especially if the Browns somehow beat the Bills this week, which they won't. But yeah. if they did, then Rex <laughs> Rex will get fired in the parking lot like Kiffin did years ago. <laughs> oh, anyhow, buddy, let's look at the game that everybody's excited about where I am here, and that is Monday Night Football tonight. The Baltimore Ravens at the New England Patriots. Who are you liking? What are you liking in this game? Well, you know, this is a tough football game uh, tonight. I, you know, I really do have a problem with the Patriots. And I have a problem picking Patriot games. They, uh, the numbers are always uh, a little bit, um, 
a little bit overvalued. Tonight's an instance in which it isn't, but we also have a long history here, don't we? Yep. Of of the Baltimore Ravens playing the New England Patriots tough. Now, I think it's a, it's a little bit skewed. I mean, Brady's actually like 5-1, and one, you know, last six regular season games. But Baltimore's had success against them in the postseason. Uh, we can't there, – there's no denying the fact that Brady – Brady does not put up. The offense does not put up the same numbers. Baltimore's defense is the real deal. Last six regular season games versus Baltimore, uh, Brady's QB rating is 86.3. Only has six touchdown passes. He, he throws like six touchdown passes a game when he plays the Bills. Um, <laughs> only six touchdown passes last six games, three interceptions. Uh, Joe Flacco, as much as Flacco's criticized and doesn't get credit for being a big-time quarterback, he's been big-time oh, against the New England Patriots in his them. career. 16 touchdown passes, eight interceptions, quarterback rating of 91.3 when playing head-to-head against Tom Brady. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a strange, you know, it's one of these strange, strange deals in which Flacco plays well against the pass and Brady does not play well against the Ravens. But with all that being stated, you know, the Patriots, and this is why I have a hard time betting on them, because the Patriots are always in cruise control. You know, they're never really in any danger. Their division is always wrapped up. Um, so I think they've sort of been coasting the last couple of weeks. You know, we, the Jets always played them tough, and they did once again somehow. They really weren't that great, uh, the Patriots, against San Francisco in that game. That game was, you know, closer uh, than than uh, than the score looked as well. So, you know, the Patriots, three straight games to the under, uh, three straight games which Brady hasn't thrown for 300 or more yards. I would almost see this sort of lower-scoring game happening tonight, but... Uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Raiders, uh, with 10 free records right now, you know, the Patriots are actually playing for, for a first round bye here. Oh, still, yeah. And they're still playing for a home field. So I think we get a, an interested, an interested uh, Patriots team showing up tonight. I don't mind it at six. The seven kind of scares me, but I'm kind of feeling a, you know, 20, 24, seven, 24, 17 <laughs> style football game, Jimmy, for the Patriots. What'd you say? What the score? Twenty four seventeen. Twenty four seventeen. All right. So in that range, you you're know, liking not, the under. You're liking yeah, the under. You know, and I hate betting unders. I never do. Uh, but both these teams have been playing to the under. I mean, the Ravens are four and one of the under in their last five football games. Pots three straight unders right now. I've warned people. I talked. We talked about this last week. Look at the fantasy numbers, man. You know, with the with the weather, with this time of the year. I mean, this this Baltimore game is pretty much a playoff game. Yeah. Right, it's it's a playoff game, so it's not a game in October. It's not a game in September. Like you know, Harbaugh's got a problem here, man. Pittsburgh uh, keeps winning, and he needs to win tonight. So he's going to be playing it close close to the vest. And I imagine Harbaugh playing. You know, Harbaugh doesn't want to get into a track meet with the Patriots uh, tonight. Uh, but we know what Harbaugh's going to do. They're going to run the ball. And they're going to take their chances deep down the field and hook to hook up with uh, with Mike Wallace down there and the formulas work for the for them this year but ultimately like i said if the patriots were like 12 and 1 and uh whatever and you know they already wrapped up home field it'd be a little bit different but the fact that the patriots you know they need to start playing better football they need to you know they need to uh start um living without gronkowski we all sort of look at them as invincible ah mm-hmm. they'll be fine bennett's a stud gronk's not there but the fact is it's been three weeks in a row that the offense has stalled but like I said, I think they can get to the mid-20s, and I think uh, New England's defense can hold Baltimore to about 17. Like I said, I'm looking at a 24-17 game. 
which yeah. would barely give him the cover. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good one for sure. Any props you're liking in this game? You know, this it's tough, actually. I didn't want to force anything uh, this evening because I think there's going to be a lot of running, <laughs> running the football. <laughs> yeah, one, one of the props that I did like was the long field goal. Long field goal over 45 and a half yards. We have two uh, strong kickers. I mean, Tucker's, Tucker's one of the best kickers ever. Yeah. And weather's not a factor this evening. Um, Harbaugh, you know, it all, when you, you bet these long field goal props, it often comes down to, it often comes down to what's the, um, you know, what does the coach do when he's at the 30-yard line? What does the coach do when he's at 35, et cetera? And I hate it, Jimmy. Like, I really freaking hate. Like, last night, the Giants punted from the Cowboys 34, man. Yeah, I saw like, that. really? Is this like, really? Like, what do you, what do you even have to wall on? It might get blocked. Yeah, it might get blocked. <laughs> well, the scoreboard might fall on the field and kill us all, too. <laughs> but we better take a chance that it doesn't, right? Like, like, you know, it's amazing to me, though. We see so many coaches woods out, and they don't go for it. They punt. Harbaugh's not that guy. Like Harbaugh with Tucker, if they're at the you know, if it's fourth down at the thirty-five yard line, he's thinking, you know what, Tucker can make a fifty-two yarder in, in this weather. So I do like the uh, I do like the field goal prop. The Tom Brady prop is usually money over twenty-six and a half completions. Yet this this Baltimore defense and the numbers uh, that they bring to the table scares me a little bit. So no, I don't want to force any props and and lose people money. <laughs> Jimmy, you know, like I said on my video today, man, my confidence is low with Rob Kardashians at the gym. <laughs> All right, Gabe. So, uh, but the party went well. You enjoyed it? Yeah, no, great. Uh, we got great, uh, great times. Great anniversary uh, show. We have a couple of more coming up, and it's a good thing that they're they're spread out uh, because yeah, we're still recovering. Uh, from uh, from Friday's bash and Saturday's UFC and then yesterday's bloodbath, uh, but um, but nevertheless, yeah, it's all good. We're, we're you know we're, we'll we'll be all right. We'll live to tell you. We'll live to talk. About I, hear, it. I thought for sure you'd be calling from uh, the line at Domino's game. I, I thought for yeah. sure. Hope you, you get that. Actually, I, I had a little pizza earlier, but there you go. Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, me me having pizza, Jimmy's not out of the gate. You know, out of order, like <laughs> drunk sober, whatever. You know, pizza's a staple, like. I probably have about 13 pizza boxes <laughs> you know, under, under the sink right now that I'm too lazy to take down oh, to them for God recycling. But, you know, and I will say, though, the, the Brady prop at 26 and a half, it seems high. Uh, it's a high number. That's as high as you're ever going to yep. see for quarterback props. But even though the Pats aren't scoring that much, they don't run the ball that much, right? So, you know, I, I would take a look. If you guys really want to play a prop, I would take a look at the long field goal over 45 and a half yards and Tom Brady to complete more than 26 and a half passes. Sounds like a plan, my friend. Hey, tell Pete Shepard we say hello. I know you're on with him later. Hey, I know you're on. I was on with him yesterday, and I've been doing real well. I hope he has me back because I told people uh, I told people to take a couple of bad teams yesterday. <laughs> but I was all over the Houston Texans, but I'm like Bobby Knight, man. I don't remember the wins. Like, I won a lot of games yesterday. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, I remember the bad prop bets on the way out last night. That's what did me in, actually, <laughs> the props last night. That's why I don't want to force any tonight. All right, buddy. Well, enjoy the game. Get some sleep. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Hey, always a pleasure, Jimmy. All right, Gabriel Morenci joining us here on a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back.
listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for The Right Time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. Stands in, drop, intercepted. It is picked off by Malcolm Butler. That has got to be a catch, and instead it turns into an interception for New England. They'll run it, Blunt, right side. LeGarrette Blunt for first forward inside the 10. Oh, yeah, here we go. The stretch run ESPN New Hampshire, and we're taking you down the stretch run of your Monday here as you get ready for Monday night football, Patriots, Ravens, and of course, a great hockey battle north of the border in the Belle Province in Montreal at the Bell Center. The Montreal Canadiens and the Boston Bruins. It's rivalry night for Boston sports fans, and hope you enjoyed the show. We want to thank all our guests here on the stretch run. Thank Mr. Sullivan. His first day back is a nice vacation in Florida. Good to be back behind my board. I like I'm it, buddy. Your board missed you. I'm back where I need to be. I'm back where you need to be. And again, uh, want to thank our guests. And uh, I hope all of you travel safely. If you're going to the game, get there safely. Be careful. Do not drink and drive. Don't be an idiot. Get a limo. Get an Uber. Take an Uber from Virginia, like we said before. If you have to. Uber pool. Exactly. Uber Pool. There you go. Have some fun with a bunch of Patriots fans. Enjoy the game. Be safe. And we'll talk to you tomorrow here on a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire.